Sermon, the Lord said, Where you treasure is, there will your heart be. You want to know what someone treasures? All you got to do is talk to them for five minutes. They'll tell you what they treasure. They'll tell you how well their business is, how big their house is, what about their marriage, it's about. They'll tell you all these things, and you'll find out where their treasure is because their heart is there. That's what, that's what. How do I know that? Well, the Lord had just told them, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever's in your heart comes right out your mouth. You don't know some people talk over you, they have an ugly heart. Some people have very angry speech and very coarse and, and a lot of verbiage that's very, very vulgar because their heart is that way. A very dark heart. And so I have an ongoing teasing, I guess, with, with a certain person. And I said, You got a black heart. You laugh, you carry on and laugh. At the, well, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Very vulgar, very forward language, very vulgar language, laughs about it. And I said, because you have a black heart, your soul is black. And you think that's funny. Well, folks, we live in that world today. We live in a dark place, and we're called to be shining lights in a dark place. And I, I want more than anything for our little church, this little group, this little number here, we can go out there and change the world. All we have to do is believe it and do it. That's right. That's all we have to do. Believe what the Bible. I'm not asking you to believe me. Sunday by Sunday, Wednesday by Wednesday, I never ask you to believe me. I ask you to believe the Lord. Believe the Word of God. Put that into your life in such a way. Put that into your life in such a way that you live it out daily and people see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's the formula. I'm living what I believe the Word of God to say. The Lord is blessing me because I believe Him. You think about this, we're going to stand before the Lord one day, we're going to stand before the Lord, and He's going to say to us, if we were faithful, if we were faithful, the Lord's going to say to us, this is all for you, because you believe me. Yeah. No other merit. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Why is it for me? Because when everyone else around you said it's not so, you said, oh, it is. It's so. He's coming. He's going to do what he said. He promised this. I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And every dotting of the I and crossing of the T will be absolutely fulfilled in my life. And I'm going to bring you something else. The grace that it takes now to live that life. I've met a thousand people in my life I know that said this, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven because I am living the Ten Commandments. Every one of them are liars. Every single one is a liar. And I'll tell you how I know. Because the Lord says, in the fifth of Matthew, he goes through the Ten Commandments one at a time and says, you've heard it said of old. You, you know what the law says, the Ten Commandments say, but I say this, you think you haven't committed adultery because you haven't physically done it? If you've ever looked with lust, in heaven you're guilty of adultery. Have you ever stolen anything? I've never stole a thing. That's a lie. Everybody's stolen something, a cookie, something. Have I ever stolen? He says, if you've ever looked with jealousy, with envy, if you've ever coveted anything of anyone else, wish I had that. I wish I had that what they have. He said, you're a thief. You ever said something that wasn't true? He said, uh, you're a liar. And if you break one of the commandments, you've broken them all. If I lie to someone, I'm an adulterer. That's not so bad. You're a murderer what you are. Because if you break one, you break them all. And so we have this, this counsel of God. And this is what I want to say this morning to you. I'm going to do rapid-fire lesson this morning on the counsel of God. Now, some time ago, I was given a, a book by a friend, and it was from Dr. E. Stanley Jones, and I didn't know what it was, and I laid it on my desk for a couple of weeks, and I picked it up. And he says this, the counsel of God tells us this, that the natural way of life for Christians is living in God's counsel. Here's what, he, here's what he says. John three, uh, John 1 and 3, John chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. There's nothing in the world that wasn't made by him. 
Everything was made by him. He says the Christian way is wrought into the texture of life. It is life. The Christian way is worked into the texture, the very essence of life. Paul was talking about people in his day, and he said, miserable. He said, if we don't believe the Bible, if we don't believe the resurrection, we are of all men most miserable. The question is, why are there so many miserable people in the world? I mean, there are people today who are just miserable. Well, they're not living the natural way of life. Taking God's counsel and putting it into action. And so, Jones, E. Stanley Jones says, his, quote, stamp is on everything. It is the way things are made to work. These are things I'm often tempted to say. I want to say that to you and say you goodbye. Go home and think about those things. It's in a sermon within itself. The natural way of life is God's way. The very natural way is the essence of life. God created everything. He put his stamp on it, and he said, that's the way it's going to work. I don't know how many times I am not a mechanic. I can tear it apart and have someone come fix it. I'm not a great mechanic. How many times now I go to my file of my the books that come with the implement? What's it supposed to do? Oh, uh, there's what it's there's a way it's made to work. And if you use a tool with how it's not supposed to work, it usually doesn't go well and it wears the tools out. And so many people are living against against God's plan for their life that they're very frustrated because that's not the way it works. One of my favorite things is to watch them with the chainsaw I'm doing this with the chainsaw. Wear themselves completely out. Dude, sharpen the chain and pull the trigger. It'll do the work. But that's just one little thing. You're driving down the road, you see that, and you think, that's how, that's how people live. We want to help God. We want to help God. And it's like, you know what? You don't help him. You allow him. You yield to his work. You don't help him with it so much as you yield to it. And most Christians cannot get the concept. You know when the Lord said, come unto me and rest? I'm getting crazy enough in my old age to think, I got this wild suspicion that he meant that. I got this wild, crazy suspicion that he meant, come close to me and just rest. Rest. You know why? You're laboring and you're heavy laden and you're burdened. You're tired. But it's very tiring in this world to live against God's way. And so we get the counsel of God. What is the counsel of God? And so here's the interesting Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And when you look that up, you find this. It's a very familiar passage, and I hope we believe it. Jesus said, I am the way. Are you saying all other religions won't get to heaven? Yeah, pretty much, yeah, that's it, yeah. That's the answer. They're not. Jesus Christ is the answer. A lot of man-made things, and that's what they say about us, by the way. You have to believe it or not for yourself. Jesus said, I am the way, singular, one way, the truth. And so he's not lying about being the way, and he is eternal life. And so that way there means I am the road, the mode, and the means is what that means. I am the road, I am the mode, and I am the means by which people will stand before the Father one day. And the Bible says without Jesus, without God, without salvation, no one will see God the Father. You know what he told Abraham? I am thy great and exceeding reward. He is so amazing. God himself, God the Father is so amazing that we can live this life as Christians and die and the Lord said, I'm going to come back and put you in Sunday school for a thousand years before you get to see him. You're simply not ready. You're not ready to go home with me yet. You're, just, you're not ready. And the Lord himself is going to come down here, a resurrected Christ, going to sit on a throne in the millennial kingdom, the new Jerusalem, he's going to sit on the throne and he's going to teach us how to worship properly. Praise God. He said, you don't know how to worship properly. Trust me, you don't know. We're like, oh, I go every Sunday. He goes, I know, I saw you. I'm going to teach you how to worship when you, when, you, when you get here. And for those of you who had no clue and decided, it isn't the ones who didn't understand worship that will be cast into the darkness. 
is the ones who rebelled against it, who knew what to do, but chose other than that. And he said, you're going to be the farthest out and work your way toward the throne. And those who were faithful to me in their life are going to minister unto me in the kingdom. People don't like that. That's way too bad. <laughs> it's too bad. I don't like that. So what? I cannot, I cannot and will not tell you something other than what Christ teaches because you don't like it. Here's what I would say. You ought to get to liking it. You ought to do some things where you start liking that, going, good, good, I'm glad that's going to happen that way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the road, the mode, the means. And listen to this, the knowledge that we are his workmanship. This leads into the fact that we are to be counseled by God. Now, Ephesians 2 and 10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works. We are his workmanship, created in Christ to good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, that workmanship, his workmanship means masterpiece or his tapestry. Our life is a tapestry. Our life is a daily weaving in and out. What's that called? Whooping, whooping wet. <laughs> Weapon wolf. Weaving wet. I don't know. It's woven this way. Every day the Lord's taking the circumstances of our life. He's taking the dark things that come. He's taking the bright things that come. He's adding his commentary. He's adding his spirit. And every day he's just making this tapestry. What's happening to you, my son? God, today, he goes, oh, we're going to put dark in there today. We're weaving black today. And there are other days where it's all working well. God is going good. The blessings are flowing. He said, we're going to use bright colors, primary colors. We're going to use pastels today. And then when we die, and I admit this fully, people are looking at the back of the tapestry right now. We're looking at the back of the tapestry. All the strings and the knots and the backside and the burlap and whatever it is, we're looking at the, at the coarseness of it. And when we die and stand before the Lord, to the Father, he's going to turn that around. You've seen the back of a woven rug in the front side. You've seen the back of a tapestry. He's going to turn it around and say, Lord, this is what their life came out to do. You know what the blacks are going to do? They're going to, they're going to be a background for the bright, and they're going to set it all off. The question is, on the days when we were weaving the black colors, were you trusting me? Did you still trust me? Did you know I'm still with you? I want to tell you this morning, he, he does. He goes with us. You have been there. I've been in those black days. I've never, never not felt his presence with me since I've been a Christian. There were the early days when I didn't understand it so well. But I've never not felt his presence since he called me into the family. And you're saying, well, that terrible thing happened. I had a bad turn in my life some years ago. I had a pretty bad time, and people were called, preachers were calling me, saying, you going to quit preaching? And I said, why would I do that? I mean, you're going to keep preaching? And I said, as soon as I can get back in the pulpit. After God let that happen to you, did you know that 99% of my problems were from my own hand? And did you know nothing surprised God? And did you know he walked right beside me? He wasn't walking there. He was carrying me. He was holding me up. I was about to collapse. Praise God. He was holding me up. Because those are the dark colored days. Those are the days when, the, oh, he weaving with black, with black string, black yarn. Another interpretation, another Bible says this, uh, we are the fabric of his hands. That's who we are. Think of that now. We're the fabric of his hands. And we remember this. Romans 8 and 28. If you're taking notes, listen. Romans 8 28. And we know that all things work together for good. The black days, the light days, the hard days, the good days, the blessing days, the days that feel like a curse. They're all working together to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now that we know that verse. But listen, you know what purpose means? All things work together for, for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. Purpose is proposal. 
He's, he's made a proposal to us and said, this is what I propose for your life. It's, an, it's, a, it's, it's his intention for our life. God says, this is what I intend for you to be. And so we have a proposal. If you've ever sold property or written a contract in any other realm, we have a proposal. Also, this is what I put my house on the market for, and, and uh, someone came in and looked through, and they come back with their proposal, what they, what they think they, what they want to do. Is they're proposing this thing. It's a plan or a suggestion according to the dictionary, especially a formal or written one put forward for consideration or discussion by others. And so the Lord makes a proposal when he has you and I born in this world, and he says, this is my offer. What do you say? What do you say? This is my offer. This is, why, this is what I intend for you to be. What do you say? You want to do that? And clearly most people say, no, I'm going to counter-offer. I want to do everything I want to do and have your blessing. What do you think? What do you think? Not even going to put down earnest money. No, I don't, I'm not putting anything in the game at all. I'm just telling you this. You saved me. Uh, I'm going to heaven. And the Lord says, I have great things for you, my son. I've gifted you in ways that you're going to help so many people and show them who I am. And you say, no, no. No, i got other things to do. You don't understand, Lord. I have my own plan, my own proposal. I have my own intentions. And the Lord says, well, my counter is, you can do that. But it'll cost you. And most of the Christian world says, that's fine. That's fine. Because really, when I got saved, I just signed up for fire insurance. I just don't want to go to hell. Folks, he has so much more for you and me. I can't. I won't. I can't. I, I, there's no way I could. But I would love to be able to share with you the blessings of the presence of God daily in this crazy world. Now, right now, most of the world is living in fear. It's a well-laid plan, and it's got many people captive. And I want to say one thing to the people living in fear. If you're afraid now, you're not going to believe what's coming. Amen, brother. If you're living in fear now, you're going to be totally shut down, paralyzed like a, uh, in a spider's web, like, like a wasp in a spider web. You're going to be laying there while they're just taking you prisoner. Because you're supposed to be scared of these things. The world says, the Lord says this, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. That is the same statement he made when he said, but fear not. Fear not. Why? Because fear is the exact opposite of faith. And not only are people going to be very afraid, I'm saying the days are coming when, if you're afraid now, you're going to be done in the days to come as far as anything to do in this world. You want to know why? Because fear is the opposite of faith, and the problem with that is, if we live in fear, we're teaching all those around us to be fearful. Here's what I believe about the Lord. He's got this thing. Oh, he's got this. Listen to what he says. What's our answer to the proposal? And so we say, well, what is your counsel? He says, I made a proposal for you. I made a life for you. I have an intention for your life. That when you come home one day, you're not going to believe the reward of your faithfulness. Can you imagine going to heaven, standing in heaven? All around you are people that you touched with your life. That you gave to them with things that you didn't even have much of. Maybe you had plenty, but you gave it to them. Maybe, maybe it was an encouraging word. Maybe it was just a few words somewhere that taught them how to be saved and how to come to this Christ. Maybe it was, you never said a word, but they watched you and they saw something in you that the world just doesn't have all by itself. And they said, I want some of that. That person just, they lift me up. I like to say to some people in this world, I like to say when we're parting company, thank you, you encourage me. I do? Oh, yeah. You encourage me. You know what most people say? How's that? How do I do it? They don't even know they're doing it. And that's the reason they can do it. It's just honest. It's just an honest life before God. And so he says here in this passage, in 3 and 18, he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou may see. 
Now, if you look at the commentaries, those are the three things that Laodicea was known for. Money, gold. They had a special salve there that helped people with their eyes in those days. And they had good textiles. They had good wool and flax, and they had good apparel and, and cloth and clothing. And he said, you have all those things in the material world. You need them in the spiritual world. He said in verse 19 of chapter 3, the Lord says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man, it doesn't, he, said, he goes from talking to the church corporately to this individual call. If any man hear my voice and open the door, will he say, I will come in. Now, why don't people want him in their house? Why don't people invite the Lord into their house? I'd like to know. I mean, I'm asking because I want to know. Why don't people want the Lord to be in their house? If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. <coughs> I love our home. I love our home. It's not, it's not, it wouldn't impress anybody, but I love our home. And I'll tell you what, I invite the Lord in. And every day I renew the invitation. Every morning I, I renew the invitation. Lord, come here. Would you come be with us today? Would you, would you tell me what the scriptures are about? Would you talk to me? Would you bring your grace into our home? I have not failed to pray. Jen and I have not failed to pray for the children since we've been married. The devil wants the children. He wants the little girls. And he's getting them. Oh, he's getting them. It's going to change. It's going to change. And I tell the Lord, and ask the Lord, and tell the devil every day, you can't have ours. You can't have our girls. You can't have our boys. You can't have the kids. I'm not going to do it. I became a single father some time ago, and I started the practice of going in the children's room at night, praying over their bed while they were sleeping. And they left. And I got to pray long distance. But I do. But I do. These kids today have more access to things. And I'll give you straight up, they're smarter than I ever thought of being. These young children are smarter than I ever hoped to be. But that's not the answer. The answer is when we trust in the Lord. Praise God. When I was young, no one said I was smart, and they were all right. They were all correct about that. No one said I was smart, but here's what, here's what I didn't learn along the way. I didn't learn that I was made with a purpose, with a plan, with an intention of God and given the gifts to do it. And if I was smart, the teachers might have said, oh, this is where you need to be. And I might have believed that. To the contrary, the teacher said, don't ever try anything. You'll fail. And I had to go to the Lord and ask his counsel. Can I tell you this? Straight up. I'd really be here this morning with very little income as far as the world looks at it, satisfied that I'm doing his purpose, his will, than to be the head of anything and, and in charge of the whole world. That's right. Praise God. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? What if some teacher looks at you and says, boy, you need to go do this, and so I think that, and so I head my life that direction, and the Lord says, that's not what I made you for. And we stand before him one day and say, Lord, I got accolades, and I, I was a big name. I did. You could, can you see what I did to the world? He said, that's not what I ask you to do. Listen, it's not going to matter if it's not what he called us to do. It's going to say this. What you did do cost a lot of people because you didn't do the thing I told you to do, which would have been spirit-blessed, and the fruit would have been much. 
Does that make sense? To do what God called me to do. Some girl over here, I tell you this all the time, it always strikes me. I, I left church to go, <laughs> go to the bathroom probably. I, I walked out of church one morning during the sermon, and a little girl was standing in the back. A woman standing in the back, sobbing. I mean, she was crying. I got up after the, a, a woman sang a special. Why don't you people come and sing specials? No one sings anymore. If you can sing, you ought to sing. And this girl sang a special. And so I got up. I was in the back pew right in the corner where I sat, fat little kids. Caitlin used to make more noise, so I the bottle and made me. So I got up. <laughs> Whatever. Trash man. She got with it. We had Fruit Loops and milk, and everybody knew it. And I got up after the special, and I snuck to the back before it got rolling good. I thought, I'll go and get, take care of business, come back. And a lady standing back there hanging on these two columns, and just crying. Boy, she crying. I said, what's the matter? And she said, that girl sings better than me. I said, everybody sings better than you. What's your problem? <laughs> I sang last Sunday, and it wasn't near that good. And I thought, yeah, I can't lie about it. You're right. You know what, though? If I stopped preaching because other preachers preach better, I couldn't come here one Sunday. I'm not in, in competition with other preachers. I'm in obedience to Christ. I promise you, and you may think it's funny, this is the best I got. I'm giving you the best I have to give you, believe that or not. You think, really? <laughs> I'm telling you that. This is the best I've got. The Lord tells me, he, he, he wraps his arms around me, and he said, you go tell him this for me. You tell him this. And Sunday by Sunday, almost without, without a break in the chain, someone says, I needed exactly that this morning. And can I tell you this? If someone recognizes they need it just like that, there's ten others. Because all things are common. I needed to hear how to be a better husband today. I needed to hear how to be a better wife. I needed to hear how to serve the Lord better. I needed to learn how to yield unto the work of the Holy Spirit better. That's just what I needed this week. I've been praying about that. And that's the Lord's counsel. He says, I counsel you to buy gold and white raiment and eye salve. And the Bible says he's outside the church knocking on the door. Isn't that sad? Can I come in? Can you imagine God standing at the door of the church, at the heart of the Christian, and knocking, saying, can I come in? If you'll open the door, I'll come in. And to be a preacher and to talk to people and know this, they really say no. Watch it how you want. Most Christians say, no, no, this is our house. What do we say, really? Really, really, what do we say? Well, here's what I want to say about the counsel of the Lord before we go this morning. Listen carefully. I'm going to read you a series of, of uh, verses here. Listen about these scriptures of the counsel of the Lord. This is Psalm 33 and verse 10 and following. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. Now listen, if nothing gives you uh, confidence and peace in this world and that passage alone, it should do it. The Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. You hear that? We can get together and get money and get weapons and get all kinds of things, and the dark, the dark minds of the hearts of this world can get all together. And the Lord said, what I say is going to happen, not what you say. His counsel stands to all generations. Proverbs 19 and 21, he said, There are many devices in a man's heart, 
Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. I look that up. Here's what it says. There are many devices. There are many plans and many plots in the heart of a man. A man goes through this life with many things he wants to do. He thinks of this and I'll do that. He thinks I'll not do this, I will do that. And the Lord says, here's what I'm going to tell you. It's my counsel that's going to stand. You can plot and plan all you want, is what he's saying. But what I say is how it's going to turn out. And so what do we do? We yield to his plans. We don't tell him how good we are at something. We listen to what he wants us to do. He said, you want to be good at something? Do what I made you to do with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll be. Proverbs 21 and 30. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. Hebrews, 16, uh, Hebrews 6 and verse 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto his heirs the promise, the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath. God says, I'm going to tell you something, and listen to me. You go back and read the sixth chapter of Hebrews. He says, I don't have to do this, but I'm swearing by myself because there is no greater. I'm going to promise you, and I'm going to confirm that with an oath. God says, I'm going to make it happen how I say. I'm the anchor of your soul. It will come out how God said it's going to come out. We can plot and plan and devise, and, and here's what the world thinks now. We'll throw money at it. We'll get $30 billion, and, and we'll launder that back to ourselves and make you pay out of your tax money. And that's what we're going to do, because you are sheep, and we're brilliant, and we have this sinister plan, but you get to finance it. But God said, you think so? You think that's how it's going to go? You are getting yourself in such a deep part of hell forever, so keep it up. Just keep it up. Plot against the children. Go ahead. Plot against the children. They're, they're, they can't help themselves. You come show how big a man, how big a woman you are, and you plot against the children, their life, and their bodies, and their souls. And you plan it. You plot against that. And the Lord said, just wait and see how this is going to turn out. Now, the, world's in this, the world's upset, and it should be. But I'm telling you this. The counsel of the Lord is going to stand. We, ask, we think that men are going to take care of this problem, and, and that's what it's going to take, but it's going to take men driven of the Holy Spirit. It's going to take God to do it, and if he uses people, good for him. But we are in trouble, and he is the answer. Isaiah 14 and 24 says, The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying this, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. 14 and 26 of Isaiah says, This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth, and this is the hand that is stretched upon the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed. Who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out. Who shall turn it back? Do we, get the, do we really, do we get the picture of what he's saying? bad as I understand it the world has been in a position we're in about three times before this and the Lord has thwarted it every time the sinister plots have come together and done their work and they think they got it all together and the Lord is something no right now stop and he exposes it every time he pulls the plywood back and lets the roaches just tack each other every single time I believe he'll do it again I personally believe he's going to do that again He's about to a place where he's going to say, let's bring all that out in the light. Let's let everybody discuss it. Let's let the good people, the majority, the people who are honest people. I'm not talking about Christian. I'm talking about just a basic human being that wants to raise their kids and have a nice home. They want their kids to prosper and find somebody they love and have a nice life. They may not be Christians. They may be wonderful Christians. But there are way more people like that than there are dark hearts in this world. And the Lord's going to say this. Today I'm going to turn the light on. And he's going to flip the switch. His counsel will stand. Do we get that picture? Do we, do we as Christians really understand? Now I've said this before. I'm going to close with some of these remarks. 
And people looked at me funny when I said it last time, but I'm going to say it again because, well, face it, you look funny. So, we don't hear in the animal world what we hear in the human world because it's ridiculous, but we won't admit it. We never hear someone leave the house and turn around and say to the furball, now you be a dog. I'm going to leave for a while. You be a dog. You know why? Because <laughs> they can't be anything but a dog. But we do hear people say to their sons and to be a man. And David said it to his son. Now play the man, my son. What does that mean? Act like a man. Man up. Be a man. You want to know what the difference is? The beasts are beasts, and God knows it. You know it. I know it. He made them beasts, and they are beasts. And he has, to, he has to remind the men that you're not a beast. He has to say to a man, you're not a beast. What does that mean? You go out there and be a man. And here's what he said. You go be a man as God intended a man to be. And the picture of that is Jesus Christ. Can a man cry? If you're a Christian looking around today and it doesn't make you cry, I think there's something wrong with your heart. Yeah, you're right. If you can see the way children are being treated in this world, does it make you cry? You're more macho than I am. And I know that's not hard, but I'm saying this. The Lord said, I want you to be a man as I intended men to be. And he sent Jesus Christ to show us what it looked like. The intentional man. And the counsel of God is none less than this. Go, men, and be a man. What does that mean? We have to get into the counsel of God. A man as God intended man to be? I'm telling you this. Women would swarm that man. Children would throng that man. He would be in a room, he'd be in a place, and be, everybody would be drawn to him. The, the man that God intended man to be. Remember, remember the disciples saying, Lord, get these, get these kids out of here. And he said, what's the matter with you? For such is the kingdom. What? And he had a great lesson opportunity. He said, unless you become converted and be like to one of these children, what do children have that we don't have? They have an innocence and a trusting oh, a nature that we lose in this tainted world. One of the things I heard most as a child, I was a very uh, trusting, naive kid, and I, I still carry it farther than I should. But one thing I heard most of all, you don't, don't believe everything you're told. Don't you believe everything you're told? And so I tell what I heard, and my counsel was this, don't believe everything you're told. That's not the way it works in this world. That's, that's not going to work for you. And so we have this intentional man. And so we don't have to tell a dog to be a dog. We have to tell a man to be a man. It's because man can and often does live against and live below the standards of manhood. And you know what the Bible calls them? Beasts. God said, I made a dog. He's a dog. We don't tell him to be a dog, but he, I made you a man. Why do you act like a dog? What will dogs do? Whatever they feel like doing. What will dogs do? What will animals do? Whatever they feel like doing. What do beast people do? Whatever suits them. The Lord said, you act like a man. Don't act like a dog. And so we have Paul who opened the epistle of Romans with this. All these people doing against what God made them to do. Women with women doing that which was unseemly. Leaving the use of the man to defile themselves with each other. And you believe, you would not believe how many people have told me I'm making that up. To live in a world, to live in a place now where homosexuality, is, is, you're actually a better person than someone who's heterosexual. you got, you got more going on. That's, where, that's the climate I work in now. And when I show people this from the Word of God, men with men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another, doing that which was unseemly 
And they'll say, that doesn't talk about homosexual. Well, you, you're making that up. You're, you're reading into it. I say, and you're a college uh, graduate? Really? Can I tell you this? Peter and Jude call them brute beasts. That's right. They act like animals, doing whatever they want to do. And I have a question beyond what Scripture says. Why do you want to do that? What about that is alluring to you? That's satanic behavior. And so, man is God made him to live. Isaiah 46 and 8 says, Remember this and show yourself men. Show yourself men. Remember the former things of the old, for I am God. There is none else. I am God. There is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Do you understand that with me this morning? <laughs> I hope so. And so what does that man, what does that man, God said, what does that man? Be a man, show yourself a man, and remember who I am. A real man before God in God's eyes, what a man is. He knows who God is, and he knows who he is because of God, and he knows that the counsel of God is what stands. And that's just the natural way. That's the natural way. Peter says, according to his divine nature, hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great exceeding great and precious promises, listen now, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. It becomes natural to live in God's counsel. That's a divine nature. Or the promises of God. They start in Genesis and they end in Revelation. What's our, what's our part of that? He says you might be. It's up to you. You can be partakers of that nature. How do you want to live? The promise of God, one, is conditional. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Mm, that doesn't work, Don. I've done that. It doesn't work. If you abide in me is the first part of it. Are you glad this morning? The Lord came. The Lord came back. They, they took John to an island because he wouldn't shut up. The historical books say they boiled him in oil and he wouldn't, he wouldn't boil. And so disgusted with him, they put him on a really uncomfortable island. Bad weather. <clears throat> and as the storms rolled in, God showed John now, I, don't know, I don't know how he got there with pen and paper that he had. I don't know. He had the parchment paper and pen. Maybe they made fun of him. And that's the way God works, by the way. Maybe they made fun of him. So I want you to write down what you see around here. But John recorded for us the book of Revelation. And the vision that John got was, was God, the ancient of days, beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega, the first and last. And he said, I have a a message for the church. And it's a church of all the ages, from, from, from Pentecost to the last, to the rapture. Begins in John chapter, or Revelation chapter 4. Next week we look at that. And he said, I have this for the church. I want to tell them something. And he told them. What are you going to do with that? What are you and I going to do with the counsel of God? Because I'll tell you one thing. He makes it clear that he knows our work. He knows our hearts. He knows why we're here. And he says, I have some counsel for you. And then I just gave you 11 verses that says his counsel will stand. When we stand before him, he's not going to change anything. It's not going to be, oh, I didn't understand you were struggling with your marriage, so you, you acted like that. It isn't going to be, I, I saw you in financial difficulty, so you, you wouldn't help anybody else. It's going to be this. I know exactly. I know everything about you. 
And my counsel is this, you better get a hold of things that matter for eternity and stop playing the material game. He says, remember now, if you seek the kingdom, he'll give you everything else. He said, I promised you before, if you seek me, I'm going to give you everything you need. Can I go a step farther and say God has given me everything I've ever wanted? In the material world, I have more than I want. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's called clutter. <laughs> you pull something out and go, hey, those are skinny jeans. I believe I'll put those on my leg and wear them around. Everybody in this room has more than you need. Everybody. Everybody. It's called clutter. What does that look like in our spiritual life? I've shown houses now for 25 years, and I open the door, and sometimes you can't tell the door is open. It's just a wall. No, they don't use whatever is in the back of there. They're not using what's in the front of there. They're afraid to open the door. And you say, you know, that's not a sermon. That's gossip. What about our personal life? What about our spiritual life? Are there things that are hindering us from just letting go and giving God the reins? Chapter 6 of the book of Romans says we need to yield to him. Stop. Stop. Just stop. Stop and take inventory of everything personal, spiritual, physical and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I want to do what you want me to do. Every Sunday, it, as I preach it, I, I realize that this group right here will never probably meet again. This, just, just like this. Just like this. Next week will be somebody missing and somebody else here. And if, probably this group it will never meet again just like this. It would be, be a long shot, odds-wise. What did the Lord tell you this morning? I believe this. I get here with a message, and it always changes. I come with a message I prepared, and I don't prepare them much anymore, that always changes. Janet will ask me on the way here, what are you preaching? And on the way home, why didn't you preach that? Because the Lord turns me. And every Sunday, almost without fail, someone says, that's exactly what I needed. That was for me. You could have put my name in that sermon. It was all for me. I'm telling you this. If it was for you, it was for everybody else. But the Lord spoke to you in particular saying, this is the message. He told the church, this is your problem. Repent or else. I don't want that. I don't want the or else. I want us to repent. I'd love to see Bible studies break out in you people's homes. I would just love for this church to have people over. Call them over the first time for a muffin and coffee and mention something. If they're receptive, go as far as you can. Start, start a fellowship with some people who have no fellowship. There are people who are not church today because they've been hurt by churches. That's right. I'm the king of that. Churches love to hurt preachers. I'm not here because the church has treated me so well, although you people are amazing. I'm here because the Lord said, would you go tell them something? Would you share my message with them? Say, I would love to. I would love to. I would love to. But I won't go unless you go with me. And he says, I'll go if you'll get out of the way. And we talk about it every Sunday. God loves you people. He loves us so much. And he says, I counsel you to do these things, and if you do them, I promise you, blessed, which means supremely happy, will be that person who just says, Lord. Now, think of that. I've done it years my way, not, not going so well, really. Why don't you try his? Why don't you try his? God, he loves us so much. He loves us. Thank you for coming this morning. I appreciate it. We have um, different reasons some people are going today. It's, it's graduation Sunday at the university so I don't know if we can get home maybe we'll pull aside the road I don't know it's crazy but if you have any members of the family who are here we'll be happy to pray for them
This is a community. We have no roster here. We don't have a church role. I don't believe in them. I don't tell you to pray after me. I don't believe in that. We need to use the altar more. I want this church to get a hold of it. Get a hold of what the Bible actually says and understand it and then implement that into our lives. We have so much. All of us have so much. We need to share with people. And we're going to stand before the Lord one day and, and give a recount for what we did with our stuff. This is the most sharing, giving group I've ever been part of. I'd like to see it break out in homes. Invite some other couple over for dinner. You might find, a, you know we had that little cookout deal? How people sat with people they never knew. Isn't that fun? You might learn you don't want to be with them anymore, but mostly you'll learn. Wow, that's why I don't see them much. But what you do is you get to know each other. It's called fellowship. It's wonderful. And a broth makes fellowship very good. We're going to do more of that in the future here. As the summer rolls on, we're going to do more of it. If you're afraid to come, don't come. If you like it, we're going to do some more of that. We're going to have some more fellowship. We need that. This church needs that. All right. Father, we thank you for this hour. We ask your blessing. We ask your Holy Spirit to come and teach us, to guide us, to lead us, to give us strength and joy and comfort. But, Father, we mostly pray for this, that this group would just share all the good things that you've given to us so freely. All that we have is from your hand, and we know that. We acknowledge it, and we thank you for it so much. We close today asking this as you spoke to the churches that we would consider where we are in that and that you would speak to our hearts so that as you stand at the heart's door and knock that everyone in this room, everyone in this fellowship would open the door and when you come in, you'd sup with us. That is to have fellowship with us that we might know you better. Lord, we thank you that you come. We thank you that you offer that to us. And Lord, today we just ask in particular that you be with the children of this group. Be with the children and keep the dark, evil, keep the hands of those who would harm the children off. Make them even oblivious to the darkness of this world. To be children, to, be, to know their love and to have a good life of light and joy. Bless them, we pray now. Protect them, be with them in Jesus' name. Amen.